Adele and Ed present A Kernel of Truth. Today, Ed and I are stoked to talk about California. You see, Californians are hella good at using gasoline with ethanol. Ethanol that's made from our dope Nebraska corn, helping reduce CO2 emissions by 47 million tons in 2020. Pretty gnarly, right? Nebraska corn. It's the plant that can change the planet, brah. Visit NebraskaCorn.gov to learn more. Meet Bob. He's a four-time tire rotation champion. When he was a baby, his first words were automatic transmission fluid. Bob's so cool, he has engine coolant running through his veins. And then there's Kyle, also known as premium unleaded. Legend has it that Kyle can change your oil with his toes and that he can tell your tire's air pressure just by how you're walking. He's Bob, he's Kyle, and every Saturday morning they morph together to form the greatest superhero known to man, Mr. Mechanic. Check engine lights don't stand a chance. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show on 1110 KFAB. Good Saturday morning to you. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. This is an interactive call-in show. You have the questions. We'll give you the answers. Top couple, two, three answers, or right on the mark. It's because uh, we've been through that repair and know what it is, or help you to go somewhere else um, as far as repairing the car. Not, not another garage. We go to our garage. So we're at Buchanan Service Centers at 50th and Dodge, 80th and Dodge, guaranteed brakes, 49th Avenue and Dodge. Uh, I'm Bob. Next to me, as always, is Kyle. Kyle was on a long car vacation, so he's back. Yeah. Did you learn anything new? Boy, I was taking a survey, and, you know, I had my piece of paper and pencil, you know, mm-hmm. tally marks what the most popular cars are to see in the mountains. Did you do slug bug? It's probably past that, aren't we now? Not a lot can't, of Volkswagen Beetles. Can't do a slug bug. Got to do something new? No. Maybe transit? Slug transit? Thank God it wasn't Subarus or Jeep Wranglers. Ah, there you go. I'd have a black eye by now, I'm sure. <laughs> they, they do. They have a lot of Audis out in uh, Colorado, Audis, Subarus, probably Subarus. transit, people camping with those camper vans. You just, I suppose we just got you, you can do whatever. You just got to change the car. Yeah. Yeah. There's a car for every fitting, believe it or not. So what kind of cars did you see out there that, that has survived – that died here because they all rusted away and you're so happy and thankful. You know, honestly, there was in, I don't know what it was, but you know, cause my eyes always get just drawn to junk cars, like <laughs> yeah. a moth to a bug zapper. There was more pre-war cars out there sitting in every, like everybody had one in their yard. Oh yeah, we, we got to go car shopping, and, and when you're driving down a street to see if somebody's got a for sale sign out, you got to stop talk to them. You never know. There was somebody sitting next shipped back to, to me Omaha. that um, kept that from happening. <laughs> I think the last diligently, I was like, you know, I'm just going to pull off here. I know exactly what you're looking at, and we are not stopping here. No, I think the last time I was there, I was got passed by a uh, old 1989 Ford Probe, mm-hmm. and uh, boy, I'm happy that's gone. And uh, then, oh. then I seen a Lincoln Mercure. Oh, God. And uh, most people don't know what a Lincoln Mercure was, but it's basically a German car that was imported over here through Ford. It should have never happened. <laughs> it was a four-cylinder turbo, <laughs> broke most of the time kind of car. And, boy, we had one that just lived down the street from us. And it's like, jeez. Oh, you had to wait for parts for everything. It was kind of a cool-looking car, but that was it. Yeah. That was it. 
Don't so. go walk the dog with your mechanic shirt on. No. Not no. past that house. Yeah, we can't do that. Yeah, this, <laughs> They'll flag you down. You won't get anywhere. It takes you four hours to go around the block, especially in those. But it's kind of interesting when we go somewhere, we kind of we're car guys, so we, we have to look at those cars and say, oh, look at that, look at that. A lot of 80s Ford Rangers I saw there. And that's, you know, the Ford Rangers just don't die. No. You know, we've got and one. And they're so gas efficient with that four-cylinder engine. And I is. mean, if you just needed a grocery getter or something to haul mulch in, that was it. I'm kind of a Chevy guy, but when it comes to that uh, S10, you know. Small truck. S- small truck. I specifically, we went and bought a Ranger. Mm-hmm. And we just don't do anything to that Ranger. We just, we put, you know, changed oil, put tires on it and brakes and drive it. That's the only it. ones that I was never fond of was that. Two five four cylinder way uh, spark system. Well, the early ones, yeah, with the dual plugs and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mainly very... because I just hated tuning them up. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, they were good. Those sure. were the initial ones back in what eighty eight, eighty nine, yeah. something like that. But after that, they just become rock solid and such a great truck, such a great truck. You know. Wow. You know, I'm going to do a. This is something I ran across, Kyle, and uh, this is just kind of a PSA. Um, we have. All this Takata airbag stuff that was on there. You know, everybody went and got their Takata airbags done. Well, apparently not everybody did it. So there are Mm. 2003 Dodge Ram pickups out there. There's 29,000 of unrepaired that that are just people didn't want to do it, didn't feel the time. It probably wasn't worth their time for that, but... I haven't done mine for one simple reason. If that dash comes out, it ain't going back. Well, <laughs> that that's true. But somebody got killed. Yeah. So, so this airbag went off, and it, it it somebody got killed. So if you've got a 2003 Dodge Ram or know somebody's got one. Um, Million so of them on the they, road. They're putting a uh, do not drive warning. The Dodge is putting a do not drive warning on these things. So mm-hmm. be safe. You know, those... Uh, you don't know when the airbag's coming out. You don't know when you're going to get in a crash. And uh, the problem is that they come out premature or correct. when there's not a crash. Right. And that, that can be a problem. Obviously, it's a problem. So, And I think not only that, speaking of that Ranger, I, think I just got one the other day. Then we went and got that update done. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we didn't delay. We got it done right away. Well, I just got a um, notice in the mail from Ford that they want it back. Um, I, I don't know that that particular airbag is, they want to update the update. Sure. So, and that happens. Mm-hmm. That'll happen too. So again, so if you got a Ranger, usually when you get a letter and they're pretty good about it, if you, if you sell that car, they will sell, they will send a letter to the next registered person and, uh, the, the Ford will keep updating you or the manufacturer will keep update until you finally bring it in, but we don't want to get anybody hurt. So. Uh, BMW has a, uh, they're kind of thinking about, you know, doing, uh, sustainable cars. They're trying to figure out how to do sustainable cars. Okay. So everything in this particular car was, and this is just a, a pilot deal. Nothing's been made here. So don't rush out and get it, Kyle. Was created, the phone now. <laughs> was created entirely from recycled material and bio-based raw materials. The body is aluminum. It uses no paint. There is no chrome. The tires are cultivated natural rubber that's sustainable. Okay, so if we don't know what that means, that means that was like back in the old days. Okay. Back in the 40s and the 50s where you had, 
you know, the rubber trees before you started mixing it with synthetic and making these tires go 100,000 miles, you'd buy a set of tires. Maypop tires. And they would, you know, rubber is white, and uh, they would just have to, you know, color it black to make it look that way, and then they would last for maybe 15,000 miles and be gone. If that. And they just rub they just rub completely away. And you have been to some of the junkyards that I'm sure I've been to that are full of old cars that have those tires on it. You can literally just pull the tire apart like a piece of bread. How did <laughs> how did anybody go anywhere in the 40s and 50s and, and, and almost into the 60s? The tread pattern was so closed and there was no... Bias ply tires. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know that we had the interstate, like the cross-country traffic that we have today. I mean, people, I mean... They are no traction. Yeah. That, that's I mean, why he had to have snow tires. That's why he had to have chains. There was just absolutely. The biggest beginner mistake to buying a classic car for restoration is, oh, low miles. This thing's only got 20,000 miles on it. Well, nobody went anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to need the same stuff as a car that has 400,000 miles. Yeah. And they didn't uh, undercoat them. They didn't do a lot of stuff. And it yeah. was the, you know, we've done this before on the radio that today's cars are heavier, much heavier than they oh, were sure. back in the, well, yeah, I suppose in the, in the 40s and 50s they were pretty heavy, but when they kind of got into the gas thing in the late 60s, early 70s, they, they were light. Yeah, they they were super light. Well, now so much is made out of plastic. In order to have any rigidity on anything, that plastic piece can't be the same thickness. You've got to double and triple the thickness of the plastic in order oh, yeah. to get the rigidity out of it. So You get weight. Yeah. A dashboard in a car is heavy. It is. Oh, super heavy because now – now they figured out how to bolt everything to it. Yeah, you've got have to have a guy inside and a guy on either door, and as you're guiding the entire. Some of them take three guys to get these dashboards out of these cars. Yeah, yeah, they do. It was it, and it's a, it's a little okay because now they bolted so much to it, it's mm-hmm. made it a lot more convenient to get it out. You don't have to take. I mean, you used to have a bucket full of screws. Yeah. You'd have dash pieces laying everywhere behind the car. Uh, just. <laughs> Dodge has really made this easy. I mean, the Ram trucks, I did a new one. I mean, you just move the console back. You take a handful of screws out. You got three bulkhead connectors on either side. You yep. take those out, drop yep. the steering column down, handful of screws, out it comes. You know, you don't need to go do puzzles at home because it's it's a puzzle every day. And if you don't know how to do puzzles and you can't remember how things come apart, that is not the project for you. No. So anybody and you get down to like the end of it and you got like three bolts left and one of them's a big one and you're like, oh, that's got to support something important (laughs) (laughs) you're right so back to this bmw it was uh how they joined the car together um dismantling it at a later stage when the cars uh, when the tires are worn out and uh so that everything comes apart real easily so it's all recyclable which is you know it's a pretty good thought really fair enough kudos to them yeah no paint of course you don't need paint now you just wrap it yeah, I'm. I don't. I don't know if the wrapping is. I don't know if the wrapping is recyclable or not. So, yeah, but it's, it's interesting. Just it was an interesting kind of the interest. What caught my eye was the fact that we were going back to rubber that was natural right out of the tree in order to make it, uh, you know, sustainable and everything else that isn't going to last. So, you're going to buy tires for the same amount and they're going to last hardly at all. Yeah, it's going on a BMW, so yeah, they're talking a couple thousand for tires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I guess you got to have those pilot programs in order to figure out what you're doing next, right? So yeah. 
Trial right. and error, boys. Trial and error. Trial and error. That's what it's all about. 558-1110 five, five, is the numbers to get in. We've got a couple open lines for you. We'll be back in a minute. Yo, what up, love child? The Mr. Mechanic Show. Gonna travel back in time to 1982. Say what? I said a drip drop. A dribble to the dripper, your oil pans leaky, your car won't start. It goes bang, bang, boogie, your jump start. The boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to be. See, I am Mr. Mechanic, and I'd like to say hello to the pretty little lady on the side of the road waiting for an expensive tow. What? Have you ever gone over to a friend's garage and the car was just no good? I can't hear you. The timer belt's squeaking, the engine's overheating, and the tires are just no good. So you're driving down the road and you hear a clang, a click, clock, bang, and the old Mustang. Don't shed a tear. Have no fear. Your mechanic's here. No one can be a clutch or master cylinder. Evaporative control canister. Crankcase breather, a front seat heater. Because objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Giddly be my baby. I fixed you. So let's go shaggy like Scooby-Doo. Because I'm an imp to the pimp. The ladies pimp. I put the man in Mr. Mechanic. So if you need a tow, a bump, or a jack, I'm the Casanova who's got your back. When you see the biggest and the best rich set, just call the man with the M on his chest. I'll get you on the road. And out of the ditch, cause I'm the Mr. Mechanic. All right, we're back. Mr. Mechanic Show. 558 1110 the numbers to get in. We've got a few lines open. Uh, give us a call. We'll see what we can handle with your car. We're going to head right over to Marie. Marie's got a tire question. Marie, go ahead. <laughs> On these uh, new sustainable tires. Now, I understand because the new EVs are so much heavier than the combustion gas engines that they're making them more solid rubber. They're going to be almost pure rubber because that's where that buzzword sustainable comes in says, oh, it's ecologically better. But I understood they're going to the airless tire, and Bridgestone, I guess, is the one that's starting that. Have you heard that? And then the, the weight, how much more it weighs than the regular gas-powered vehicle. But other than that, I've got a Subaru and no problems so far. But if I have one, I'm calling you. Good, good. Yeah, you know, (laughs) as far as the sustainable tires I was talking about, they were kind of going back to natural rubber, uh, this concept car was with BMW. So there is no synthetic in it. Uh, And really, really, most tires nowadays are are mostly synthetic and and, uh, chemicals, you probably don't mm-hmm. want to be around, and they have to have a, a certain amount of rubber in it to hold it together. It's almost yeah, like yeah. baking a, a cake. Binder. Yeah, if you don't have any yeast in it, the, you know things aren't going to hold together. Well, that's kind of how it works. Um, how much how much weight is different? You know, They're saying that it's like thirty three percent. Yeah, and they said most of the heavy duty trucks that are coming out with EVs because of the batteries are going to weigh six thousand pounds. Well, I, can, I don't know how much damage it's going to do to the all our roads. Uh, more well you're not wrong there thing. you're not wrong there yeah. it's going to do that and it's going to do a lot of damage the one th- yeah and the one thing that i i've noticed that we put several sets of tires on a tesla that comes in and uh and he drives quite a bit and uh they're just they are low profile tires that don't come with a lot of uh traction to them not a lot of tire tread depth mm-hmm. and so most tires depending on what you buy will come from anywhere to from 10 to 12 for the most part and uh, have you found that the tesla excuse me for interrupting have you found that the tesla is heavier 
Um, it, it, it is car that would be equal to that. Yeah, it's going to be heavier than than a car equal to that. Yeah, <laughs> how much difference? Whether that's a two hundred pound difference or that's a seven hundred pound difference, I'm not really sure. I never really uh-huh. looked that up for the most part, or you know, I I'll, I'll have to look that up because they're just really pushing them onto us, and no one really has that kind of money in their back pocket right now. But that's okay. It's well, everybody. you know, I was yeah. re- I was reading some articles that they have more inventory on on hand than they've ever had. Um, but nobody's mm-hmm. buying them. They're sitting yeah. there. They're and yeah. with the laws that are coming out with saying they got no tax incentives unless you purchase that battery or the batteries made in the United States. Um, that's what gets you the tax break. If it's not done in the United States, you don't get a tax break and it's cost you X amount of dollars, but yeah. they're going to come they're down. Gonna... They're, they're going to start chopping the price in order to get rid of them. That's how that's how supply and demand works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maintenance is going to be a totally different animal, so there it is. Yep. But anyway, guys, do the good work. I keep listening to every week, so I get some really, really good ideas. Yeah. And thanks a lot for all your time and help. We appreciate okay? we, Thank you. Have we, a good one. We appreciate your call. All right, we're going to head over to Jack. Jack's got a 2020 F-150. Jack, what's going on? <laughs> so uh, it's got a cold start rattle that I looked up on the Internet, evidently cam phasers. Sounds like a pretty serious problem as far as uh, to repair. Are you familiar with any of it? Cam phasers, yeah. Oh, yeah, cam phasers on a lot of different cars. Um, You know, for example, uh, Honda CRVs and Accords have that, where it rattles first thing in the morning because the cam phasers. What motor do you have in this car? It's a 3.5 EcoBoost. Okay. So those just be- you know, the motor. Sorry, go no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, the motor runs fine once it starts and once it quits rattling. And, you know, it rattles for probably five seconds before it doesn't. Okay, so yeah. essentially, that uh, cam phaser or the variable valve timing has to retain some oil in it, and if it drains out completely, and it's all in the pan, then it has to take that from the pan all the way to that phaser and before it actually can dampen it or cushion it when it goes back and forth and does what it's supposed to be doing. So that's essentially why you're hearing it. And as soon as oil gets there and it gets through its system, it, it kind of goes away. Are you getting any kind of check engine light or anything out of this truck? Or is it no, still- no check in, no check engine light, but it is uh, slow to start. You know, it cranks for quite a while sometimes before okay. it'll fire up. Sure. But more so than, it's getting. So it sounds like it's slow on timing. Yeah, is what that sounds like to me. If it's starting, if it's long cranking. I mean, that's indicative of you know back in the old days you had a distributor that was turned way retarded. Right. You're not going to fire right, right away, and that's what's happening until oil pressure gets to this phaser, then it allows it to start. But there might not be enough to keep it quiet. Yeah, they did have problems. So with, is that something you guys do? Sure. Yeah. As yeah. Buchanan. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, they did have problems I at one point. You can... Go ahead. Go ahead. I well, don't they... suppose you can you can give a give me a guesstimate on uh, money. Uh, off the top of my head, I, I don't really want to because I'm probably going to be wrong right off the top of my head. <laughs> but but uh, there's when you do when you pull those engines apart, you've got to you got to pull it all down. I mean, pulling everything down other than, than pulling the cylinder heads off of it. So, uh, right. It looks like the whole front of the motor comes off. If I had to, yeah, if I had to throw a number out just off the top of my head and, and don't, uh, don't, 
about 20, 27, 2700 probably okay. be my, my number just off the top of my head. And that yeah, that's sh- what I was afraid you would say. Sh- it should include most parts, but um, depending on the miles and, and everything's plastic and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that while you're there, you just want to go ahead and replace. But they used to have a problem with the primary chain stretching, and that would only really come out when they were towing and hauling. Um, and then normal applications, it would never really have an issue. So, But that since you're going in that deep, Boy, there's just things that you should do while you're there, you know. Uh, yeah, timing chain, water pump. Exactly, exactly. Not that they're right. technically bad at this particular point, <laughs> but when you look at the labor and and if you keep it long enough and have to go do that labor, well, you've just duplicated your labor. You mm-hmm. just you just spent fifteen hundred dollars right. twice. So, and that and that's kind of the the thinking behind all that. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I appreciate your help. I'll give uh, give the shop a call and see what uh, what kind of time frame there is as far as getting it in and out. Yeah, sounds good. Appreciate the call. All right. All right. Thank you, now. You bet. All right. We're going to take a quick break on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. We've got a couple open lines. We'll be back in a minute. All right. We are back. Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 numbers to get in give us a call we got uh 20 minutes to go we get your call in we're gonna head over to paul paul's got an 07 trailblazer paul what's going on today hey there uh the uh low beam headlight stopped working at the same time i just you know noticed one night that uh, they weren't on the high beams work and my fog lamps work but the low beams just quit or didn't come on I checked the underhood fuses. There was two fuses that looked intact, and the bulbs themselves. I looked at those, and they didn't. The wiring, you know, there wasn't any discoloration in the glass, or, and uh, I didn't see any breaks in wiring there. Well, I would see what you're losing. I'm guessing you're losing power. The only thing I've really seen on these is the relays. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've ran into a couple of things with this particular car. Kyle's right, relays. So there's there's a couple of relays for that have headlights and try to find another relay in there that um, matches closely to that or it has the same number on it, and you should be able to switch relay to relay. What we have found uh, a few times is that that fuse box that that goes into is a multi-layer fuse box, and it'll, it'll burn terminals in the bottom of there or in the bottom of that fuse box, all the wiring sections – uh, actually bolt up into the bottom of that fuse panel. Okay? Hmm. So over a period of time, we have seen that um, they have just kind of loosened them up from all the potholes around town that they just become, the bolts become loose and they just kind of fall down lo- and, and lose connection. So we've seen hmm. that a couple of times. And we've also went and replaced that whole piece before. So, yeah, I've seen this more than once. Um, a lot of hmm. times if you find that particular low beam headlight and relay find the low beam headlight relay turn the headlights on low beam and then start wiggling that relay back and forth um i just yeah. had, i just had one oh, i don't know month ago and hmm. what what i finally that's how we finally figured out what it was it's just that it, it, there's a break back there everything was tight you know, I told the customer we're going to have to put another um, assembly in this, and he didn't really want to do it. He uh, says, I'm not going to spend that kind of money on that car. So 
the next time I came, he came in for an oil change, I took a look to see what it was, and he had a piece of paper jam between one relay to the other relay, and the, and the sure. headlight, headlights were working. Throw some but. grease in there, a piece of cardboard, <laughs> and away you go. So it's not uncommon for that in that, and then when you pull that up, look underneath there because rodents can get in there and chew some things up, and so. And that's that's the underhood. Uh, underhood fuse, fuse block. They call it a headlamp driver module, but it's a relay. It's a relay. Um, well, see, I, I'm not, I'm looking in the manual right now under the uh, my engine, which is an inline six, and I'm looking under relays, and all I see is a high beam headlamp. Yeah. And I don't see a low beam. Yeah, they're going to call it a headlamp driver module. It's the number of its placement is 46. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. That's how good we know. Right, so, yeah. We've been through this enough so, time. We Kyle knows the number of the spot that it goes into. And that's that's the kind of knowledge he's got. <laughs> so you said you said maybe start wiggling that and see what happens. That's what I would do. Then, sure, give it a shot. And, yeah. And and then we and and we. Uh, you said switch one with the other to, uh, relay to see if that's bad. Or? Well, start with wiggling it. If the, if it's how many times do you suppose the headlights have come on and off? A couple million. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. let's yeah. let's just switch it with another relay, and that's just an easy diagnostic tool to to use. Yeah, you and, can probably find your horn relay or an yeah. AC compressor relay. They're all going to be the same. Just find yeah. one that looks. Like oh, it. they will. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I don't want to burn anything up. Yeah, no, just, you're not going to burn anything out. up. It just won't fit. Yeah. Yeah, you're just looking for another four-terminal relay under there, which, I mean, your horn, AC compressor, even the high beam okay. relay is going to be the same. J- GM was good at using a lot of the same relays. And and also, go go get yourself a marker or a, a color pen or something so you can mark that one and then the one you change. That way, mm-hmm. if you want to go back and change them back, you can. Otherwise, they're they all look black, and they all got black tops yeah. on them, and it's easy to, to miss what you're doing. But I'm guessing more than likely you got a bad connection underneath there. Pull that fuse box up. It's over on the left-hand side of the fender. Pull it up. There's loose connections underneath there, or that that multi-layer fuse box gets burnt. That's not uncommon at all. So Should I just connect the battery when I go to lift that box up? or well, You don't have to. Nah, do it live. What's, what's the fun in okay. disconnecting the battery? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, sounds like a good time. Yes. Okay. Well, well, I'll give those uh, give those two a shot and go from there. You're going to want to kind of keep it connected so that you can kind of diagnose yeah. and just be take careful what you're doing. But that way you can say, okay, I tighten that up. The headlights come on. Otherwise, you're back yeah. and forth and back and forth. So that's why I say mm. do it do it live. It, there's nothing yeah. there's okay. nothing you're going to hurt there. Salvage yards okay. are full of them, so you can easily go get one of those. Okay, sounds good. Appreciate the call, Thanks. Paul. Uh-huh. We're gonna Bye. head. O- we're gonna head over to Randy. Randy's got a O2 Ranger. Randy, what's going on today? Well, I have a 2002 Ford Ranger with the 2.3 liter in it, and it's uh, pretty low miles, 110,000 miles on it, and it's been a really good truck until one day I went to start it up and it backfired. And I heard a pop, and then it and then it was like running with a big vacuum leak or something. So I limped over to a to a local guy here, and he put a plug in that plastic plenum, and it went good for probably. And he disconnected a couple of wire connectors, and it ran fine for probably two or three months, and then then it just started to bog down and didn't have any low end torque, and and now I just got to baby it just to get it around the block. So. 
what do I do with that? Well, I didn't, <laughs> didn't have a, any low-end torque to begin with. But uh, what, <laughs> yeah, what so, did yeah. he plug off? Well, he plugged off a it vacuum had, hose. It had the trailer hitch on it, so I don't know what that's all about. But, Sounds like yeah. he plugged off a vacuum hose over on the vacuum tee up on the firewall that always had a problem when it, when it backfired and blew that hose off. Um, uh, that was pretty common. But if it's got no if, – if it backfired, it makes it sound like it's jumped a tooth in the timing. That's yeah, because like. they don't backfire at all. No, no. Yeah. I do a lot of timing on those either. But well, and then the, those old four, yeah, the four cylinders always had, you know, they just had a timing belt back then, and you you could have jumped a tooth. Could have. You could have had I something. Mean, I mean, it sounds good at idle, and uh, I can now I can I can idle it and rev it up, but when I put it in gear, it's a four speed, and when I put it in gear, it just kind of bogs down. Uh, no, no so more backfiring or popping of any kind. Uh yeah, there's some there's some misfiring going on occasionally. It's kind of, but it, then it smooths out if I can get it going fast enough and feather it out. It kind of smooths out. So yeah, well, it sounds like you either a haven't fixed all your vacuum leaks yet, mm-hmm. or you're slow on timing. Right, or you have. I guess you've got to go through some progressions here. You know, we got air, fuel, and spark. We know that because it's running. Okay. Yeah. The, ne- the next yeah. thing I probably would check would be exhaust to see if we've got, okay. if you're low on power. Your exhaust is plugged. You're going to get back pressure. That could blow out Yep. almost anything. Yep. You can have uh, yeah. you can have back pressure. You could have a, um, a backfire because of that. That would be the, the first and easiest thing that I would check is pull an O2 and check your back pressure. See if that's, okay. see if that's plugged up. And if it's not plugged up, then you're moving towards timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's not go timing right. yet because that's that's much more involved then right. you don't want to do all that, have it apart, and then say, oh, the cat's plugged. So let's let's do <laughs> yeah. always try to do the easy yeah. eliminations first, and then you can okay. head towards the harder ones. Okay. I know how to do that. So, all yeah. right. Well, thank you, guys. You bet. Thank you. You bet. Appreciate the call. All right. Quick break. Back in a minute. Answer a couple more calls. All right. We are back in the Mr. Mechanic Show going to run out of time so we'll answer we got a couple answers in here figure out what's going on i got a i got a kyle question here that is uh an 05 audi excuse me out 05 subaru subaru outback all right rod Rod, what do you got hello rod you're up um it's got the dual temperature and in the winter the passenger side will blow cold and now in the summer, the passenger side wants to blow lukewarm and not as cold as the other side. The guy usually goes to says it's the blend door. I was curious what your thought is. Well, yeah, the first place I'm going is that blend door actuator because, you know, it's cold during the winter because it's cold outside. It's lukewarm during the summer because it's lukewarm outside. So it's stuck on cold vent. So okay, because sometimes is- in the winter... As long as I don't touch it, if I get it to blow hot, it'll blow hot. But the minute I adjust the temperature, then all of a sudden it's back to cold. You bet. Yeah, but that's just that motor's default is to go to cold. It's a plastic door that's run by a plastic motor with a plastic housing and plastic gears. And uh, there's only just about enough winding in there uh, to make an antenna or less. It, there's, so it's all plastic. And it just it runs over itself, strips out, and... You yeah. might catch it in the right spot at times, and that's why it's it's warm. 
You know. Oh, okay. Um, that's why. Is that a hard thing to fix? He said use it more, um, adjust the temperature all the time, but it's like, okay, that made it worse. Sure. But yeah, you just take the glove box door down, you take the whole glove box out, and it should be right there in front of you. Yeah, um, that's, you guys are supposed to be the gurus on these. Is that something pretty expensive or kind of easy to do? Mm-hmm. You're not going to spend a terrible amount of money if you do it yourself. I mean, in the shop, I mean, it'd be a few hundred bucks. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you might spend two or three hundred bucks to do it in the shop. And, uh, oh. you know, just, you know, you, you've just got the price of the part. Yeah. And a little, oh, bit, okay. a little bit of time. So just fill up screws, hold it in, and one connector. I mean, there's no real, you can't really mess it up. I mean, you, it, okay. the actuator only like locks into that door start? one way, and then you can kind of turn it to get your mounting up and screw it back in. Yeah, yeah. If you're mechanically inclined, it's not that tough a repair. Okay. How come you don't like the turbos in these cars? I never. Nope. Yeah, I don't really have a bias one way or another. I mean, the The, only thing it adds is a couple more bolts to take them apart. No, the the WRXs are great. I'd love to drive them. The the only thing the only thing with the turbo is is it just adds a lot more stress and a lot more oil leaks and a lot more. Just it's just more stress to the engine. It just really does. And oh, okay. Could some, you guys say stay away from the turbo? Once I heard you say. Oh well, maybe we were. Certain turbo models on certain cars, yes, stay away from them. There are certain manufacturers. Oh, okay. There are certain manufacturers that uh, have done turbos really well and have thought it out, and they don't have much problems with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Subaru is one that doesn't have much ha- have problems with it. They got other issues, but uh, oh, cool! Every, well, thank you for your time. Yep, appreciate it. Appreciate the call. All right, we're gonna head over to Bill. Bill's got an 06 Audi A3. Bill, what could be wrong with this car? Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, um, my grandson's got an A3 that eats batteries regularly, and it's got quite a few miles over over hundred thousand. But when you come to a stop, sometimes all the dash lights will blink or go out for a few seconds and then come back on, especially when the motor goes to idle, like if you stop at a stop sign. But anyway, it's really hard on batteries, and an Audi person told them that that alternator has a has a uh, clutch in it that the alternator kicks out when it gets uh, at low RPM, and then it runs off the battery. That's why it's eating batteries so often. Is it, and uh, it runs off the battery and runs the power steering and everything off the battery. You know when it's when it's at real low idle. So is that true? I never heard of an alternator having a clutch in it. Well, a lot of the new ones do. It's just on the pulley. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does it necessarily turn the alternator off? No. No. The alternator will still charge. Some it ma- needs to still charge. Yeah. Some manufacturers have a sense wire that goes around the positive cable. Uh, for example, Chevrolet. Chevrolet will stop charging on an alternator um, when it senses that the battery is full and doesn't need anymore. Sure. So, It'll and, just run like a trickle charger. Yeah. And then as soon as uh, you turn the something on and drain the battery down then all of a sudden the alternator kicks back on and then it, it it's kind of on demand honda has that chevrolet has that um it's there's other manufacturers that have that um, see, I was, yeah see i'm getting so old i didn't even realize that. <laughs> if it's if it's burning through batteries you, i'm wondering 
what your voltage is at an idle when it actually does do that. The fact that there's lights on the dash doesn't surprise me because every Audi that's, that's that's driven has got lights on the dash because they just do. Yeah, and test. yeah, it's <laughs> and um, but if it, when you say burn through battery, it, it makes me wonder just what kind of draw may be on this particular battery. Does it go dead overnight? No, no, it'll just uh, can't keep it charged. It, the, yeah, the battery will start uh, showing signs of, def, you know, having trouble, and then finally it won't start. Well, I'm going to look at that alternator. On. Yeah, there's only two reasons that you've got that kind of problem. One is the alternator's not charging the battery, or B, you've, you've, got, got, a drain. you've got such a drain on that battery, and it, it can't be any more than 50 millivolts, or it's constantly draining the battery, and when it does, it just it just eats it up over a period of time. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, that's uh, something to go on. I appreciate you uh, filling me in on that. Yep, you bet. It. Appreciate the call, Bill. Thanks a lot. You bet. All right, that ends another hour, another quick hour. Yeah. Answered them all, got them all right. We've got people in the right direction. They're going home to fix them, heading to the parts store. Yeah. All right. 558-1110 is the number to get in next week. I'm Bob. Kyle. We'll see you next week. reference laboratory for Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic Laboratories helps turn test results into clinical answers for millions of patients every year. From newly developed tests and diagnostic innovations to tips for leveraging and optimizing the laboratory for patients, clients, and staff, Mayo Clinic Laboratories podcasts help you stay at the forefront of what's new in laboratory medicine and pathology. Learn more and subscribe today at news.mayocliniclabs.com slash subscribe.